Welcome to Emil Franzink's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Yes, indeed. Our uh, nation was much better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers, I think. Uh, we don't need no stinky need no lawyers. lawyers. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Uh, this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West in out in Hollywood. It's our good friend Todd Roberts. The man in the know. How you doing, sir? Hi, I'm well, gentlemen. So good to be with you today. Thank yes. you. Good to have you. And so uh, today it's uh, another edition of the program. And uh-oh. What? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh, what? You don't hear it? There's a lot of uh ohs. No, I don't hear anything. Oh, bunker. Oh, turn, I got to turn, turn up your it hearing up. aid. <laughs> well, I... Boy, try and set something up, man. Uh, you should warn me. I know. We're, we're doing, we're, we are doing, as you might imagine. Oh, I can barely hear it, but it's blowing. That's the but, idea. But you're, but you're blowing my eardrums okay. out. Anyway. As you might suspect, we are doing uh, spaghetti westerns for today. A fistful of spaghetti. Fistful of spaghetti. spaghetti o's. What better way to start the show than with Ennio Marconi's harmonica from Once Upon a Time in the West? Before we get into the show, we've been neglectful for several shows. We need to remind the listeners about our alternate programming. Indeed. Um, coming up at, uh, at right after this program on VOW Radio, uh, it's a, a new program uh, called America's Fabric. It's produced by a, a colleague of mine, Charles Heller, and it's a show about America, by golly. By golly. And, and so that runs, and then uh, coming up at 6 o'clock uh, every Saturday, at, and that's 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, um, it's old-time radio. We've still got uh, the adventures of the Cisco Kid and Pancho mm-hmm. and Tales of the Texas. Rangers. We're almost out of those. Uh, We're good shows, both. So, We're, yeah, both tuning in. Indeed. And of course, if you have a comment that you'd like to pass on to us, don't you we can, also have some music on? Well, on, on the on the VOW radio channel, it's the best of old Western music, classic yes. stuff. Um, so that's there. Um, also, uh, comments, uh, well, you can pop them up on our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash Voices of the West. And by golly, we're back in, we're now getting into the 21st century. We got the bird. The Twitter is with us. We're, we're tweeting? <laughs> we're tweeting. Oh, my goodness. So you, well, can, uh, you can tweet at us if you wish. No. Uh, and that's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Twitter.com slash voices underline West, I think it is. <laughs> Just search for voices of the West, you'll find it. Uh, you know, I might want to mention too, one of the reasons that we're we're doing a fistful of spaghetti is uh, Harry did a survey of what we who we're reaching out there, and it found that one of our largest groups of listeners are Italianos, Paisanos yeah. in Roma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did do a, a kind of a survey thing on our Facebook page earlier this uh, earlier in the week. I posted a uh, you know that we're going to be doing this and asked our friends on Facebook what movies would they like us to talk about and uh, well there's a, a quite the um, qu- quite the uh, uh, variety here mm-hmm. uh, of them uh, so naturally uh, we've got Once Upon a Time in the West that's uh, uh, 
it seems to be one of the all-time favorites of, of everybody. So, uh, I don't know. Todd, what do you think? I think that that is the, the pinnacle yeah. yes, of uh, Spaghetti Westerns. It's, uh, it's um, you know, it broke ground and it broke it broke all the rules and it also broke ground in areas that had never been uh, ventured into before. And box office as, records. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's, that's a byproduct of how special it was and the things it did that were different, such as Henry Fonda being a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one. Number two, um, uh, you know, this uh, using a woman um, in a spaghetti western as uh, a dominant force mm-hmm. of a character who's... Um, Layered and powerful and self-confident and self-determinative, uh, unlike all the other women in Spaghetti Westerns who are either, um, you know, complete and utter victims uh, and downtrodden upon or, you know, are evil uh, because they're conniving enough and they've got strong enough muscle behind them to mm-hmm. do whatever it is they want to do. It broke that rule. It also broke the rule of having... Uh, two bad guys who are completely opposite of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are completely very formulated, traditional old westerns from the 30s and the 40s, um, where you have the good guy and the bad guy, and it's all very clear. Here you have a bad guy who's very much a bad guy, who does things that are somewhat benevolent. Mm-hmm. And you have another bad guy that's supposed to be the worst of all, being Jason Robart's character, and he's as nice as uh, doing nicer things uh, for uh, uh, other people in the film than the, than the good people are. He's almost and noble. And lastly, you have uh, you have Charles Bronson as you know almost a almost a sweet. He's almost a sweet person, <laughs> which is a little strange to say. But you know his 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 youth, his character as a youth, and so on, moving into the future is. Um, you know, he's carried this, this, this burden or this mantle all these years to re- exact the revenge upon the person who basically destroyed his life. Uh, and um, it has many layers to it, so many layers. And uh, but this is not unusual for, uh, for um, you know, Sergio Leone, who said, you know, uh, flat out, I am an unadulterated thief. <laughs> and I steal from all the films that I grew up as a kid watching and all the films that I worked on that I liked and anywhere else that I can find a source. Oh, and that's that... why his his style of movie making was called Chinema Chema because yeah. it's movies that are all ripoffs of other movies, whether it's not the whole film, but scenes and characters mm-hmm. and certain techniques and so on. But, you know, it's also important to remember that uh, Leone was not just a fan of westerns. You know, he was a big fan of William Wyler. You know, he worked yes. on. Uh, uh, he was in the in in the gigantic crew of uh, of Ben Hur, and uh, he worked under him. And he also, you know, he was a big student of Orson Welles mm-hmm. because if we remember in the final scene of once the, uh, of a fistful of dollars when they're the the five bad guys walk into the plaza where the fountain is, and the fountain's in the foreground. 
and all of a sudden you think it's so close, and what you realize is it's so far away to give you depth of the scene. Yeah, yeah. That big boot comes in, and that's the foot of Maria Alante, uh, uh, Volante Amaldo. Uh, the the lead bad guy in the first two films. Mm-hmm. Well, and one one of our our Facebook friends said that Leone doesn't just film scenes; he paints them. Yeah. Well, oh, oh get, well, he's get, a big, just, big, he's a big uh, student also of John Ford. Yeah, I was going to say. And, you're, uh, you're not yeah, going to believe the this. The part of Leone is all about the eyes. Yeah, all but, about the eyes. Todd, you're not going to believe this, <laughs> but Charlie Bronson just came into the studio. <laughs> what do you? You zip faces. Uh, what are you calling me sweet? You guys, uh, I'm going back. I can't. I can't take this. Careful now. He's going to pull out the harmonica. Let's talk about what a spaghetti western is all about. Uh, what's the difference? I think the best person for that is is Bunker, because I think Bunker surmised. You know, I think we should call upon him to resurrect it, but. You know, the difference of, of spaghetti westerns to uh, the, the majority, the vast, vast majority of spaghetti westerns in, in the difference between them and American westerns. I, I would, I, and I argued before that Leone is different, but I would love you to put your cap or the moniker on spaghetti westerns again, uh, Bunker. Well, before he does that, there's one contributor on the uh, worldwide web that states the spaghetti western, though still based in the American West and involving cowboys as the main characters, is quite different film than the classic western. The main difference between the types of westerns is the level of violence and action. Violence and action are the main ingredients in spaghetti westerns. So, well, Bunker, go for it. Okay, well, here's, here's I, I'm kind of, I want to be quoting all, quite a bit of, from Alex Cox's book, 10,000 Ways to Die. This is, this is a fascinating book. And one of the early things that he mentions in there is, is what did these words, spaghetti westerns, mean to them? That meaning the producers, financiers. To them, it meant Clint Eastwood, a little a license to print money. Now, I'm going to get into what I think, and this is, first of all, you know, the, the in the silent era, the, the Italians were making westerns. Uh, the whole wide world actually was making westerns because you weren't, you weren't uh, hindered by the spoken word. And so it was basically, you know, that's the beauty of this silent. Well, time goes by. We get into post-World War II, and one of the things that uh, happened to Japan as well as uh, Italy and the rest of Europe was they were flooded with American movies because there were still a lot of GIs over Mm -hmm. there, and also they were hungry for product, and their Mm -hmm. film industries were virtually destroyed with the war. And so the, the Western was, and it was extremely popular. They loved it. They loved the values. Now, one of the things kind of flash forward here a few years, uh, Corbucci and Leone 
both who are considered the fathers of the spaghetti western, uh, and they had been making Euro westerns before this, so this wasn't a something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were basically making westerns and trying to make them look like American westerns. They would bring in an American actor for the lead, uh, change the names of everybody in it so that the, it sounded like it was an American. <laughs> uh, visually, well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I remember right after I got out of the Navy, I was going to the drive-in theater at Rio Dosa, and it was a double bill, and it just happened to be one of the films in the double bill was an Italian Western with Guy Madison. Mm-hmm. And to tell you the truth, because this is pre-Spaghetti, this is still Euro-Western, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, you, you, you notice that the horses, they're, they were different. The way they moved, you know, they mm-hmm. had that. You know, they all had that European, European trained, trot. that trained gait yeah. that they had, yeah. which you don't find in a cow pony. Yeah. Anyhow, but the story was good. The action was good, and you know, I had no, I had no complaint. Now, time goes by, and we move into the, the era. Corbucci and Stallone had both had one film, directing film, under their belt when they did their first spaghetti western. And both of those were uh, gladiator pictures, Sand mm-hmm. and Sandals. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the uh, both of them had been recommended by a close friend of theirs to see this Japanese movie, Yojimbo. Mm. And so, Yojimbo and a movie that had come out just before that, which they had both seen, One-Eyed Jacks, are considered by a lot of the film experts to be the foundation films for the Spaghetti Western. Interesting. Now, now we're going to do a time travel back to Shakespeare and Hamlet. Okay. You look at the Hamlet character. Here is the character who knows who the bad guy is. Right. But he doesn't do anything. He, 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 he starts to do something and he doesn't. And you see, that's one of the characteristics that runs through the spaghetti westerns. You see it with Eastwood mm. in Fistful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see it with uh, Cameron Mitchell in Minnesota Clay. They know who they're after, but they're plotting and thinking and maneuvering. And unfortunately, when you take when you don't strike. Mm. things can happen to interfere and Mm -hmm, get in the mm -hmm. way you get hurt you get maimed whatever uh people are taken hostage so anyhow the hamlet pattern you see that for the really strongly in uh one-eyed jacks with the brando character Mm -hmm. when he comes to get uh, revenge against dad longstreet Mm -hmm, instead of just shooting him he toys with him. He, he has yeah, this relationship with small, his daughter, or long, yeah. uh, and it just. And then, of course, he gets maimed. And that's again one of the themes in there is the crushing of the hand, which the Italians borrowed from Anthony Mann and Jimmy Stewart on you know Man from uh, Laredo, uh, mm. Man from Laramie. Mm-hmm. And so you Man see, from Laramie. yeah. So you see all of these threads coming together, and it, it's fascinating because. Uh, one of the things is that they pointed out, it's been pointed out in here, is that Leone uh, was more interested in the construction of a film, uh, discussing it and planning it, mm-hmm. and the actual shooting, he wasn't that. In fact, uh, some of the two of the major shootouts in Fistful were actually shot by his second unit director. Uh, 
and he didn't realize, and the audience would never know the difference. Those are major scenes in the movie. Yeah. So anyhow, the, you, these are all combinations of events and passages, and and, and as Todd mentioned, Leone. Like like most of the European filmmakers and some of ours now today, were students of film. They studied, they looked, they and they would and the thing was like Yojimbo uh, for the uh, fistful of dollars. He just stole from it. He, he didn't he didn't get permission to use the story. Didn't pay any royalties. Was sued at one time and never settled. Uh, he just yeah and it's. It's just it's a it's a fascinating, uh, very turbulent film industry. Our topic today is spaghetti westerns. It's a full fistful of spaghetti here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you along with uh, Bunker de France and Todd Roberts. We've got to do a break. Our yeah. very first one here. So stand by. We'll be back with you and uh, much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, 
Let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Back on Amol Franzi's The Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Campanero. 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 See, something you said earlier, Bunker, really poses another question. And that is, you talked about how everybody was making westerns. And when when the film industry began, Mm -hmm. westerns, what was the attraction to the Western versus any other genre that that people were doing with with uh, the movement in the beginning yeah. of the movie biz? Well, part of it is you know it's one, it's a very American form of storytelling. Uh, we're looking at a period the you know nineteen nineteen when they're starting to do st- developing storytelling with the silence. Uh, this is something. The majority of our population was 80% rural. So this is something they could identify with and, and see it. Uh, and to the rest of the world, it was something very new and exotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it, had, it had this mystique. And this is, well, this is a good lead into what I would, was wanting to mention next, is to set the stage for this period when all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, uprides the spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. This is you know this is in the early days of the Vietnam War. Uh, you have uh, oh. this is also at a period of time when the American western seems to be in decline. Uh, you have a few big stars like John Wayne, uh, but most of the other stars are aging. Mm-hmm. You have on television Bonanza, High Chaparral, The Big Valley, Lancer, uh, which uh, they describe here as corporate ranching, because this is big ranching. It's not it's not the Randolph Scott style ranching uh-huh. that, okay. in the Medicare pictures. So okay, now you move on. Uh, the kids of this era, they're starved. They're, these aren't you know these aren't the kids of the 30s that you know milked cows and did chores. These are kids that we don't have video games yet so what right. but action mars attacks you know bubblegum cards uh, ec comic books all of this stuff is and our culture is you know the cultural leaders they're in shock of this vile <laughs> vile entertainments out there well along comes spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. Vile, mm-hmm. violent, mm-hmm. violence upon violence, sadism, stuff like that. Kids loved it. They ate it up. This was like, wow, this is the way it this is the way it should be. It wasn't that it wasn't that they had abandoned the old westerns. It was just that they had moved 
into because westerns one of the unique things about all film in america is that westerns always reflect the culture of the day underlining you will go back to the roy rogers gene autry it was it was about government it was most of the time it Mm -hmm. was the cowboys against government okay and the funny thing is with the italian westerns the Italian filmmakers, they weren't they weren't interested in making westerns. They were interested in making money, but what they were interested in was making statements. So their their scripts would be against the bankers, or it would be the revolutionary, like you mentioned, Duck You Sucker, mm-hmm. uh, and it was. But it was they were more political statements in their film, which the American audience was one of the things that I think really kept the American audience from totally embracing them like they should have because they were making some very good westerns in among some of the really crappy ones and but people weren't going to see them because they didn't know they were good todd is that uh, pretty accurate i mean what's your take being in hollywood and uh, in the your folks being in the biz and such well, I, I think that I think that is a fair, accurate description. I think that that, that Hollywood kind of got caught with its pants down, mm-hmm. as it usually does. Um, kind, kind of, kind of kind, behind, would, would behind a, the curve. What, what, would a, uh, a comparison? So would a comparison be when uh, uh, the American automobile industry got its uh, found its pants down around its knees uh, when the Japanese started um, importing in seventy? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, okay. In 73, we have a gas shortage. you got to go to the gas station every other day because of your license plate. And all of a sudden, the American car companies are running around going, uh, you know, we start, we better start making some models that don't use up as much gas. Mm-hmm. It's too late then, mm-hmm. bucko. Mm-hmm. It's too late. And so that's what the happened with Hollywood. out of the barn. Yeah, so that's so what happened with Hollywood. out of now. the barn. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, the horse was out of the barn here. And, you know... Um, you know, people think it's such a it was such a risk for uh, Leone to use um, you know Eastwood to go over to Italy and make those films. Let's not forget he was on one of the most popular shows there was. Rawhide, mm-hmm. Rawhide. Yep. And it didn't take a genius. Uh, it, you know, it took somebody with just a little bit of. Of, uh, of brains and some awareness, which Eastwood has more than enough for everybody in the room, yeah. to see that the television western was going to start to fade. It had to have been fading. Mm-hmm. And um, he was not in the midst of its rise. He was more on the downslope. It was still very popular. Yeah. But there was if you were going to make those types of movies, you better go find a way to reinvent them. And uh, I think it's also so important to talk about how much the industry was caught with its pants down because, you know, there was a joke about, yeah, well, fine, let's see them go make uh, uh, cowboy pictures. But where are they going to get their cult single actions? They made them. Uh, well, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, um, but there's this, these two companies in Italy that have been making guns since the yes. 1500s. Pietta and Uberte. Yes. Pietta and Armi de San Marcos, Beretta. Yeah. Uh, before we were here in a country. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they've been making some of the finest weapons in the history of this planet. Yes. Uh, I think it can figure out a single action cult. Um. And they did. And 
what's so amazing is to this day, those companies are still making those weapons, and they're making as fine a weapon as you've ever seen. Some mm-hmm. people say they're not up to cult standards, but I have shot mine competitively now for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a malfunction, and I've never had a problem. Uh, my so, my Pietas uh, work very very well, you know. And yeah. Nothing against Colt. The Pietas and, <laughs> and the and the and the Berettas are they're right there. Yeah, the Ubertis, they're right there. Yeah. Um, I know Thel Reed, the great Thel Reed, yeah. and some other people will say no. Uh, it's a it's a substandard Italian knockoff or mm. replica. Mm. But I've never that's not my, been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mine neither. But I would also tell you that. They created an entire film industry over there around westerns. Yeah. Not just the guns, but they had people making saddles. Yeah. Which, by the way, they have the finest leather in the world in mm-hmm. Milan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, all of it, they created an entire industry. Uh, by the time Hollywood woke up, the train had left the station. <laughs> and uh, it was it was not only had, had left the train, the station, it had left the county, it had left the state. It had all the saddles uh, and guns on it, too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, by the way, you know, um, well, yeah, but, you know, uh, Italy doesn't, there's nowhere in Italy, uh, these spaghetti westerns, there's nowhere in Italy that looks like uh, Tucson. Uh, oh. Well, again, again, you're right, but you're wrong, because there's yeah. this thing called Southern Spain, Yipper. which is uh, is as desolate and shall we say romantic in a way visually as is a lone lone pine in the Alabama hills. Yeah. You know, I might throw in Where there at this point. They that, made all those great westerns. Uh, just throw in there, too, that one of the reasons that so many of the spaghetti westerns take place along the border, Mexico, Arizona, Texas, uh, is because they utilized their existing architecture because it reflected what they had built over here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Southern Spain uh, is the are the people who, by the way, built the southwest of the United States. Yeah, so, yeah. A very good point, Bunker. And uh, so they, they really got caught um, with their pants down. And then you had product that was coming out there, out of there, that was breaking the rules and which, you know, creates a whole nother problem because now you're playing catch up anyway. Uh, but now you're playing catch up to not only costs and so on and, uh, their assembly line, but now you're also playing catch up to their, their creativity, mm-hmm. which Hollywood does not like to, uh, <laughs> do, you know, uh, but we saw this. We've seen this before. This is nothing new. Hollywood does this all the time. This is the same. You can look at it in the same mirror as you do the samurai craze, hmm. the samurai films mm-hmm. uh, by Kurosawa. Yeah. Um, he had been making a lot of great films for a lot of years prior to Hollywood finally looking up and taking notice. And it took. It didn't take the Hollywood establishment. It took the people in Hollywood who are creative to take notice of him, uh, as usual. Uh, John Ford, Francis Ford Coppola, Scorsese, uh, Spielberg, George Lucas, 
to give credit to the Japanese film industry. Yeah. Again, another example of Hollywood, the establishment, asleep at the wheel. Well, you know, one of the things, too, is if you look at the, you know, you were talking about how the, the monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. Uh, with the Italian westerns, look at what we're doing now. It, it's, it's, like, it's got like a cycle. All, that ultra violence, that ultra action is the norm today. You, right, and, right, it's, right. and it's the background, the backbone of the big blockbuster movies. You know, you're not seeing blockbuster movies about Marty, the butcher. No. You're seeing blockbuster movies about. You know, catastrophic events or catastrophic history. Mm -hmm. You know, on steroids. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we're we're talking with um, well, uh, we're, Todd Roberts is with us, uh, Bunker de France, and Harry Alexander. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Quite the interesting discussion we've got going on here. We've got to take a break, and uh, we'll have much more of that right after these important messages. For a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company. Property manager you can trust. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hello, 
podcast listeners, I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, and that's a wrap. See, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. This is the Voices of the West. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. We're talking a uh, fistful mean, of spaghetti. You mean Tarillo Roberto? Roberto, yeah. I'm not even going to try it. Tarillo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, giving back to one point that we, so we can move on from yeah. this subject is uh, another thing that the, that the Spaghetti Western did was create a much more in-depth, much more layered, much more, uh, a much greater, deeper, wider examination of the villain. Uh, you know, Gian uh, Maria Volante uh, as the the villain in the first two awesome. uh, Leone uh, uh, Eastwood films. Um, you know, he's he's the youngest brother of the three in the first one. And then, you know, the Indian, the crazy Indian in the second one, but it's basically the same character of both. But a deep, deep examination of this guy, the loyalty that he has amongst his men, the, the, um, the willingness of how, of how far he'll go to back up his own men. You know, it's not a, uh, uh, there, there is the, the, Shall I say the the old uh, synonym or saying of there's no honor among thieves mm-hmm. does not apply to the bad guys in these Leone films. It does in obviously in uh, uh, once uh, in um, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, but it doesn't apply to these first two. Uh, there's a great camaraderie and loyalty amongst those guys. They're a team. They're professionals. They know he knows what they're all thinking. They know what he's thinking. And they pull it off seamlessly, uh, and that's something that Hollywood never really did. We did a little bit of an examination of a character, uh, like in Daphne uh, Brown in Winchester '73 by mm-hmm. Steve McNally, mm-hmm. but you didn't get it as deeply as the rest of the guys who rode with him. Although in that film, I'm contradicting myself. I apologize, but Dan Derrier's character, we do have an examination of him, but he's not. He's part of his group, but he's not part of his group. He's kind of right. an outsider. Uh, the, yeah. other two yeah. guys, the other two guys that are riding with Dutch Henry Brown, we know virtually nothing about him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Leone took that, he, he took that risk. That's another uh, Leone original. 
Let's talk about the uh, actors uh, who went from the United States to Italy and Spain to uh, make these movies. Clint Eastwood obviously yeah. uh, moved over, not moved over there, but went over there, um, coming off of the uh, the Rawhide series, and uh, nobody saw Clint until um, after Rawhide was over. Nobody saw Clint until the uh, the Spaghetti's came out, right? That's right, yeah. uh, Harry. <laughs> and I want you to know that my time in Italy was well spent. Well, thank you. Um, Henry Fonda. Now, that, that that's a very interesting uh, uh, tur- turnaround. Henry, this, the, the Henry Fonda bad boy in Once Upon a Time in the West, you know... The only time I can think of seeing Henry Fonda as a really bad guy, and he wasn't really a bad guy, was in um, the Oxbow incident. But he wasn't a bad guy. You well, know, you actually, know what I'm saying? No, actually, not, no, this is the film that broke the rule. Yeah. People well, were, uh, Henry Fonda's wife, after reading the script, said, what are, what are you, you're what? You're going to, you've spent a lifetime creating this persona? Yeah. And now you're going to go off and shoot a kid? Yeah. Everybody you know, What? Everybody forgets and the Jimmy Stewart picture with him where he's the bad guy with the gang and comes to town and Jimmy is the part-time sheriff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's not an evil bad guy, but he is bad and he's going to and he shoots people and he's going to just in cold blood, shoot Jimmy Stewart. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just again when, oh, when you I mean, s- you mean uh, Henry Fonda in uh, in uh, I, have, I can't think of it either. It's something uh, Creek uh, Fire uh, Creek uh, Fury at First Creek or some way out. Fury yeah. at Fire, yeah. But that's after that film was after. Um, oh, that was right after. That's uh, right. That's right. Uh, of uh, Once Upon a Time in America. That's right. Once Upon a Time in the West. Went right afterwards. Well, here's an interesting. Um, uh, Leone, his first choice for Fistful of Dollars was Fonda. He sent a script to his agent, and uh, the producers turned it down because Fonda's price was twenty five thousand, and they had fifteen thousand budgeted for the the uh, lead because then it, it went to Lee Marvin uh, Charlie Bronson they they turned it down they went to another guy I can't think who it was and he wanted 25 oh uh, the Richard he did a bunch of Harrison mm-hmm. who did a bunch of the Italian westerns mm-hmm. and he wanted 25 and they turned him down Another one that uh, oh. we we would see on and have seen on numerous television westerns uh, and in movies, uh, Lee Van Cleef uh, yeah. made uh, again made his you know, all these great choices, but we see the relevance of it's not shocking mm-hmm. to see them as a bad guy. We welcome them as a bad guy. Yeah, one of my see them. In the film, uh, when they first show their face as a bad guy, you go, "Oh, good! Yeah. I know we're we're we're, we're going to have a really good ride here. This is <laughs> this is a really good bad guy. He's going to give us a real good bad guy." Yeah, but it's not shocking. No, Henry Ford is Henry Fonda is shocking. Yeah, yes, it's, it, it it it's it's like finding out that that I, I don't even you know I got to watch my words here, but. Um, it's almost like finding out that 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 uh, you know uh, you know Wyatt Earp was a was a 
was a night burglar or something. You know, (laughs) when you have a necrophilia ingrained in your thought process that he's a good guy and he's he was stalwarty and he you know he he lived he lived by a code and then you and then they come in and throw you this curveball. It's pretty shocking, and that's what that's what Leone wanted. He didn't. He wanted to shock you. He was looking to. And there are oftentimes in the film with violence that he shocks you. Yes. Of how, yeah. you know, how, my God, how, how savage that is. <laughs> yeah, cold, so methodical, pathological. Who's, uh, who's keep, kept from her son and her husband. And, you know, she's made basically a, uh, a sex slave for uh, Gian Maria Volante, you know, uh, in, in the first uh a fistful of dollars. Uh, those, it, or when they beat up the old man, who's the bartender, yeah. who owns the little tavern. <laughs> really? I mean, they beat him unmercifully. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but it's shocking. It's, it's you're like, whoa, uh, golly. Well, and, know, a, and uh, a, a, I don't, I don't remember bad guys like Steve McNally doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, another another shocker. Uh, I guess not really a shocker uh, in terms of American actors uh, acting over there. Rod Steiger and James Coburn. Uh, Fistful of dynamite, and duck, duck, duck you sucker! sucker. Yeah. Uh, I, that unfortunately, was, I've always felt that this film is a well-made film. It was, uh, I, and they're both very good. But I, I've always felt that the 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 um, the title lessened, it, you know, lessened its its uh, its credence, lessened its. It's value mm-hmm. um, because we were at a point in time in Hollywood where everything was anti-establishment and everything was, uh, you know, nothing is as real as it's shown you. Hollywood's completely full of malarkey and they don't tell you the way it really is. This is the way it really is. But, um, you know, I, I just, if for the life of me, no matter how hard I try, uh, I, I, I just can't imagine that anybody ever you know, threw a stick of dynamite at somebody who was on the opposing side and said, <laughs> duck, you sucker. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I think I heard it uh, several times in fraternity houses uh, <laughs> when there was too much liquor involved. Yeah. But uh, you never knew what the what the item that was that was hurtling at you. Yeah. But that didn't really matter because the result was always going to be the same. But, Yo, this- you know, it's... That's the un- one unfortunate thing about that, though. Well, you know, that's this also brings up one of the interesting <laughs> things that I think uh, hindered the Spaghetti Westerns was their titles. They had so many different titles. Uh, for a Fistful of Dollars was originally The Magnificent Stranger. Uh, I'll give you an example here. Uh, here's a, a, a movie called Blood for a Silver Dollar. Uh, with the other titles of Udalo, Buscado, One Silver Dollar, Le Dollar Troe. I mean, <laughs> they had some of those things actually would have a half a dozen different titles. We see that. All at yeah. the same time. Ducky Sucker is a perfect example. Well, anybody who does any kind of looking at IMDb and movies and you scroll on down past the plot and the stars yeah. and crew, you'll see uh, other uh, information and you'll find where uh, movies, other titles. Alt titles. Alt titles. And, and for example, there was one that we watched the other night. We had seen, but it, we had seen it under a different title. 
and now we've seen it under this title, but it's the same movie. Well, and that, so. that happened uh, well, so much, especially with American television being mm-hmm. released as, you know, like, yeah. like uh, the Virginian released about three movies in Europe that were just episodes put together, and mm-hmm. one of them was a crossover episode with Laredo. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it's it and was, Lee Marvin gives a great performance with Lee J. Cobb as the judge. Yeah. And Lee is just excellent as the bad guy. My God, he's so good. Another bad guy here, uh, one of my faves anyway, and, and I completely forgot about him until I was uh, looking through the book that Bunker brought uh, for reference today. Klaus Kinski. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Klaus Kinski. Just, you know, and, and people look at him in this film and they're like, Huh? You know, I mean, who is this guy? Is and I, I, I know it's off the subject, and I appreciate you both always because you indulge me. But I, I almost demand uh, anyone who loves film to go and uh, watch the um, um, the uh, um, the film with uh, Klaus Kinski. Oh my God, uh, Fitzgeraldo. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is directed yes. by the great German director uh, 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 Wes Winders, um, and it's just it's 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 just monumental we, filmmaking. Uh, Aguilar, wrath of God. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were talking about that before we went to air. Yeah. Well, you know, this brings up an interesting <clears throat> thing that I hadn't thought of: the use of grotesque, which is an old Italian custom in in, in drama, mm-hmm. but Ginsky's is, is this hunchback. And I know we're not supposed yeah. to say that word, but that's the thing. The other thing is you look at all of the dwarfs that mm-hmm. populate the Italian. You don't see those kind of people in American Westerns. Only if you're watching Tiny, uh, Terror in Tiny Town. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, or you're in a really bad dream. Of, uh, bad peyote or something. Yeah. Of, uh, bad peyote in the wrong in the wrong dinner, and you're stuck in a. Uh, 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 Wizard of Oz, uh, Nightmare of Hell. Uh, um, that's a, no, you, spaghetti and peyote just do not go together. Sounds like my tour in Southeast Asia. <laughs> um, we're going to do our final break here, so guys, hang on. Uh, Todd Roberts is with us, Bunker to France. I'm Harry Alexander. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be right back. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Old Western Radio Theatre every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. VOW Radio. back on Amo Franzi's The Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts. And if uh, Franzi was with us, we'd be talking Italian Western music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just going to, we must be, we must be, because I was just thinking we need to talk about Morricone for a moment. Yeah. And you know, one of the interesting is Leone and Morricone were schoolboys together. Were they really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and this is uh, one of the things I come across here. In one of the pictures that uh, Morricone did the music for, a <coughs> excuse me, a pistol for Ringo, uh, there's a song in there, Angel Face, uh, he composed, and it was sung by Maurizio Graf, who was did a ton of the vocals in these things. It was number one on the Italian charts for a long time. Hmm. And I listened to it because I went to the site on, you know, on the internet with uh, Italian movie music. And they were playing a lot of uh, Morricone stuff and this, this Angel Face song. Mm-hmm. It is a ballad that would, that would put uh, raindrops in your face to shame. <laughs> It really was. It was beautiful. Another movie that our Facebook uh, friends talked about was Kioma, 
uh, <laughs> Enzo G. Castellari, I think, 1976. And it says here in the, its late phase, only few directors have managed to churn out quality films on decent budgets. Veteran director Castellari teamed up with icon Franco Nero in what is a very gloomy but gripping Western tale. Yeah. That's from 1976. I have not seen that one. I haven't either. Apparently, a lot of you know, a lot of these never made it over here. That's possible. You know, yeah. that's that's part of the. And then when they did, sometimes they came on under a different pseudonym, so you know, you don't even know. Uh, one of the interesting things about that too is that uh, it was in the Castilian style, Castellari style, but it was. This is when as the Italian spaghetti westerns were starting to kind of wane a little bit. Uh, this was the thing that kept them going until Trinity, the Trinity series mm-hmm. came along. I know that when uh, these came out, they would be shown at uh, here in Tucson at uh, the local drive-ins yeah. we used to have. And, you know, you could uh, uh, pile a bunch of people in the trunk of the car and uh, uh, spend $5 and, and go watch a bunch of these movies. Six-pack of beer. Yeah. yeah. And my, my parents never wanted me to go see these movies. Yeah. Um, I, well, I imagine because they were so gory. <laughs> I don't know, but I enjoyed them nonetheless. That, that, that does not, not validate what I said it earlier. Does. It about does. Young guys. Yes. Want, you know, I, by this time, you know, uh, I'm out of the Navy, so I'm in my, you know, hitting my middle 20s when they hit. Mm-hmm. I can remember seeing Fistful of Dollars in Albuquerque. I was I was up there, and I called, as soon as I came out of the theater, I went home, I called Neil Summers. I told him, <laughs> Neil, you've got to go see this. I said, this is, this is, this is going to save Westerns. And one of the things you're doing in my, you know, because I've always read background material, is that there's a pattern. Fistful of Dollars was making money, making money, printing money all over Italy, mm-hmm. all over Asia. It was the same way with the Kung Fu movies with Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. They were monster hits around the world. The Spaghetti Western, the Kung Fu picture, before they became a hit in America. Well, and Neil did his share of uh, Italians one, yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, and, and of course, uh, Samurai Pictures in Japan Yeah, uh, yeah. as well. And uh, just to get back to the um, uh, Klaus Kinsey f- film Fitzgeraldo is directed by Werner Herzog and it also stars by the way Claudia Cardinal yes, yes. Uh, oh, yes. the beautiful and it's just it's a I know I talk uh, I know I go on about it but I just find it to be a sweeping epic that is long gone yeah. in, in today's uh, Hollywood yeah. or cinema cinema world that we have and for those of you An epic with who a story. don't know, uh, Werner Herzog is the head bad guy in John Wick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, he is. Uh, his betrayal, that guy is scary spooky. Yeah, scary, quite, scary, quite. scary spooky. What's the first uh, spaghetti that you saw, Todd? Oh, the first one I saw was uh, um, uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was attracted to it because, um, you know, at that time, my hair was somewhat still blonde instead of this dark mud color. Surfing, and, surfer um, boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we used to go to the beach all the time. And 
my uh, and somebody at school you would when I, it would happen often that when I'd come back from the summer and the first you know month back at school my hair was still pretty light from the sun and people would call me blondie mm-hmm. so I go to see good Ben the ugly and they're calling him blondie and uh, uh, I'm like hey <laughs> hey you're cool me. man <laughs> You know, so I was always trying to associate myself somehow, some way, with my characters that I liked the most, and that was <laughs> that's that what was we do. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Going home from going home from the Saturday matinee. Yeah. Whoever the guy, whether it was Hoppy or Gene or Roy, or yeah, that's, Tex, that's who you emulate. <laughs> that's who I was all the way home. We're plumb out of time, yeah. uh, but you know, we're gonna have we have enough material that we can do another. Fistful of spaghetti with and meatballs, with meatballs this time, and some marinara <laughs> sauce. I think. Yeah, lots uh, yeah. of Chianti. So uh, well, let me just exit with you both. Um, I'm going to say this to everybody, but uh, to my two friends here, I also say it uh, as well. Do yourself a favor. Go on Netflix and watch The King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go, go find The King and watch it. Okay, you'll. You'll really enjoy it. Very well. Okie dokie. Very well done. Todd, thank you much thank for joining you, us. Friends. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Con mucho gusto. Indeed. And we will uh, be back uh, again with uh, another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West next Saturday at 4 p.m. Stay tuned and... Uh, Adioso. So long. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.